lower. in the morning, crack of dawning, now I'm yawning, wipe the cold out my eye, see who's this page of me, and why, it's my nigga Pop from the barber shop, told me he was in the gambling spot, and heard the intricate plot, a niggas wanna stick me like flypaper neighbor, slow down love, please chill, drop the paper, remember Okay, let's see if this thing is recording, I almost literally, <laughs> almost started the um, podcast with... Uh, my headphones plugged in. Now that would have been a hoot, and it probably would have been uh, apropos for some of my jug-headedness uh, and um, absent-minded professorishness um, to do that and sit here for like a couple hours and then look up and realize that the headphones were not plugged in. You dig? Uh, this is Doctor Jam. <laughs> You don't need to know what that was. Um, but, squeak! I um, It's funny, when you look in your desk drawer, all the stuff you accumulate, I probably need to get in there and uh, get rid of some of the stuff, like receipts and things for things that I bought probably 20 years ago. Maybe, you know, do a little spring cleaning. It's almost summertime. Uh, it's been... Um, Everything's been okay here. I just wanted to get on, and uh, things didn't work out for loafin for loafinus <laughs> this past week. Uh, he was busy, and I didn't want to fall too far behind with uh, all the movies because the longer that you wait after you after you view some of this stuff, you know, you start to lose, you know, how you felt about it, and you know, and and actually, <laughs> what some of the shit's actually about if it's not a very good film um but i woke up and uh i just thought well why not jump on here because usually if i come home and uh i can't even hardly keep my eyes open i'll go to sleep for uh, a couple of hours and then i wake up and i'm wide awake so uh and i have a big interval in between that and uh uh going back to sleep before i have to go to work uh, we've been having some really just wet weather here. I mean, it seems like every day, at least one time a day, we have like thunder and lightning and and uh, uh, heavy downpour. Uh, I've been mowing the shit out of fucking grass, uh, trying to keep on top of that because of how much it's been raining. And of course, like a dumb fucker. <laughs> I went outside and I have this trailer that I bought uh, to haul motorcycles around on when one of the ones I had was having some mechanical difficulties. And then once I got rid of it, I have never used that trailer since. Um, But I moved it. um, I was going to plant a little garden there. There's a bear patch because uh, not there aren't like there isn't like a uh, when I moved the trailer, like a whole bunch of bears there, you know, rawr, you know, it's a, just like, you know, there's no grass. And I bought some uh, flower seeds, um, I think some watermelon seeds to plant, onions, um, uh, broccoli, spinach. I'm trying to think what else. Some of the stuff that I like to eat must myself. I've been kind of switching up on my diet and trying to get like uh, meat 
out of the diet uh, and I've been eating a lot of um, of course vegetables um, my core vegetables are usually the spinach uh, raw broccoli um, carrots what else onions uh, put some garlic in there for some flavor some potatoes beans lots of beans um, and um, you know some cayenne pepper I've been doing a lot of research on you know the health benefits of different kinds of food and uh, the health uh, you know uh, negatories of different foods and you know we all want to kind of live a little bit um, longer maybe I don't know maybe we don't maybe maybe it's time to give up the ghost stop hanging on to this empty hollow husk uh, the sad old saggy hollow husk of a shell but anyway um, so I've been doing that and eating a lot of uh, pumpkin seeds I love pumpkin seeds uh, pumpkin seeds some sunflower seeds I like the sunflower seeds but I uh, get the ones that are already shelled and they're just like tiny little BBs and they're kind of hard you, you just look like a fool you know uh, trying to pick them up with your fingers like getting a bunch of them and then you have to like deep throat your fingers so they don't fall all over the fucking place but I like these pumpkin seeds eh they're fucking good um, I got the ones and they got a little bit uh, they got salt on them which I'm not thrilled about that but I'm, try- I'm trying to find ones that don't have any salt on them uh, and then I get the one pumpkin seeds that are shelled already, and they have a, um, a an Italian spice on them, which they're really good. Plus, the one sunflower seeds I got um, have like a honey uh, th- kind of flavor to them, which is really good. And some walnuts, uh, you know, just stuff. Um, I found these one, these one uh, protein drinks that I really like that are banana. Um and they taste really good. There's, you know, no aftertaste. I never was into, like, supplements or anything. I'm still not. I just take that, you know, first of all, mostly just because I think it tastes good. I like that banana. And I can't remember what the hell brand that is because I got some other ones at uh, the store. And they just are, like, kind of chalky and taste shitty. Not real super bad, but enough to where you're like, meh, you know. Uh, <laughs> and I like the banana ones because they come in, like, a little... um wax uh like a cardboard little container uh covered with like wax or whatever instead of plastic uh so you don't you're not throwing away or you know but you know using all this plastic um but i don't know what got me into that i just kind of like i said um just watching stuff online and and you know like i said i'm just i'm still just a like a a cross between a fat squirrel and a fat uh cow or something like that uh, muskrat, uh, groundhog, possibly something, something that, uh, you know, but, um, I babble. I watched some movies, uh, not a lot. I say that all the time and then we end up doing a two hour show here. Uh, but one thing I want to talk about was a couple days ago, uh, Clint Walker, uh, passed away. I think he was like 90 years old, uh, on May 21st. And he was an a big favorite of mine. My dad loves Clint Walker. Uh, you know, big macho, you know, guy. Um, not, I mean, to me, he didn't really come off as like, uh, when I say macho, 
just from his looks and stuff, but I don't think he he really ever came off that way like some big phony macho, you know, douchebag. But he was just a great big guy. He worked out a lot even back in the day when uh, when uh, like lifting weights and fitness and stuff like that wasn't like a really big thing. So he had this big impressive physique. He only had like a thirty-two inch waist, and he probably had like a fifty-inch chest. Um, but um, I was reading online, uh, William Smith, uh, you know, kind of put out a, a thing on Facebook about Clint Walker, you know, saying that he's losing all his friends, you know, cause they're all getting, you know, old. And apparently Clint Walker, when they first met was a bouncer at like a bar and William Smith was like a valet parking there. And that's where they became friends and him and his wife and, uh, Clint Walker and his wife were, were friends. Um, I, after all the times that I've seen the Ten Commandments, I haven't seen it in a long time. I did buy, buy it on Blu-ray, and I, I want to go watch it now because it does say that uh, Clint Walker was in that and played the Sardinian captain. So I want to go back and watch that. You know, it's a it's a hoot to watch anyway, and it's a classic, of course. And you and, and you know, if you put aside the you know the religious stuff. Um, if you want to, if you, you know, like that stuff, that's fine. I, I have, I don't have any problem, you know, with some of these old classics like that. Um, uh, you know, like some people are like, uh, that are either atheist or that aren't, or anti-religion kind of, I think they maybe either scoff or troll, not troll, but like, you know, they, they're just not into those kind of movies, but I can watch like 10 commandments, greatest story ever told. Uh, and some of, you know, now some of the ones today, uh, that are made that are put out that are like, you know, God is not dead and things like that. I can watch, I'll watch those more, you know, uh, in to mock them or, you know, in a funny way, because it's really, a lot of them aren't that good. And, um, so you know, but uh, the ones like by Cecil B. DeMille and things like that, I like watching those because I like the Charlton Heston, even Ben Hur and things like that. I've talked about that before. Um, looking over some of the other you know Clint Walker um, uh, filmography here. Now there were some. Um, I guess he was on that TV show Cheyenne, and I never really watched uh, Cheyenne. Apparently, they introduced the character on um, uh, the TV series Maverick with James Garner. I don't know if Garner... I assume he was the the lead in that at that time because uh, Maverick... Garner was on it as um, Brett Maverick for quite a while, and then they brought his brother on when Garner started doing a lot of Hollywood stuff. Um, Let's see what else we have here. Cheyenne ran from 55 to 62. I just know my mom here recently said, oh, my God, your dad watches those old shows. My dad's 76 now. And, uh, you know, he watches all these shows, and he just loves Clint Walker. Uh, Night of the Grizzly is one that I remember, uh, you know, big time, where Clint is like, you know, a cowboy, and there's this he's a rancher, and there's this grizzly bear that's coming and killing the cattle and stuff like that, and he has to, he has to uh, deal with that situation. None but the Brave, I remember that one as a World War II movie. Of course, one of the big um, ones that he was in that was a big, huge success was The Dirty Dozen, where he played Posey, you know, Posey. What kind of name is that for a guy like you? You know, Lee Marvin. Uh, uh, Posey was so big and impressive looking, you know, uh, but he had like a real mild mannered um, personality. He was real soft spoken and everything. And all, but he was, you know, 
like I think had like a death sentence for killing somebody because uh, when he lost his temper, he really lost it. You know, he just like would go, he'd blow almost like black out because he would go just crazy. And uh, the the scene where Lee Marvin is trying to poke and prod him into, you know, uh, uh, losing it or to attacking him with a knife, it was is pretty iconic. Uh, let's see, Sam Whiskey is one with um, um, Bert, yeah, young Burt Reynolds and Clint Walker, and I haven't seen that one. I may have seen it when I was like a little kid, when, like it was on TV back in the you know early 70s or something like that but i don't remember it i i saw a trailer for it uh not that long ago maybe like a few months ago and i was like man it it does look kind of like a sort of a it's an action sort of comedy uh and i always like seeing burton back in the day before he became really you know hit it really big without the moustache and everything uh what else do we have here hard case was a tv movie that i kind of have a a soft spot for it. it wasn't a great movie but it it uh it starred uh clint walker and alex Karras, and um he was a mercenary his wife left him kind of had sort of a the same story or kind of a similar story to um uh the professionals with lee marvin and um burt lancaster and jack palance robert ryan where um in this one clint walker's wife um I don't know if it's Argentina. It's somewhere down in... um, I don't think it was Mexico. I think it was like further south than Mexico. Uh, Because I remember it being more of a... Like almost like a... In in some places like almost like a, a... jungle kind of not a jungle but sort of like more like that than than you would think of mexico in the old westerns but his wife uh takes off or supposedly gets kidnapped or takes off with this uh revolutionary um from you know south america and clint walker is a, a mercenary and he is going down there to find his wife I think they took a bunch of his money or something like that. I can't remember what the the exact story was, but he hooks up with Alex Karras and these um, um, uh, revolutionaries, like these rebels. And so it's, you know, like I said, it's not a great movie. I, it's just one that I saw on TV when I was a little kid, and I just thought it was cool. Uh, let's see. Pancho Villa, I think that was one that I reviewed on the show where... I believe that's the one with Telly Savalas as Pancho Villa. And uh, it's really super violent and bloody, but it's like tongue-in-cheek and kind of has like a lot of humor in it. And Clint is, or uh, yeah, Clint. I said Clint, and I just kept thinking about Clint Eastwood. But um, Clint Walker was the, uh, like the, the almost like a Blackjack Pershing kind of a, of an American officer who's leading these men down there to capture Pancho Villa. That was a good one. I hadn't seen that one, and I watched it. Uh, I don't know if it was last year, and I just remember talking about it on the show, and uh, that I was surprised, and I thought it was entertaining. Kill Dozer. I remember seeing. That's another TV movie. Seems like he did a lot of TV series and TV movies. Um, Kill Dozer. I remember kids talking about that when we were like grade school and um also um seeing the poster but i don't think i've ever seen that 
He was in a TV series called Kodiak, and it only it lasted 13 episodes. Don't remember that. Snow Beast, that's the one, I believe, that has uh, Bo Svensson, who is tracking the Snow Beast. I remember Snow Beast. I talked about that one on the show, too. Now, in The White Buffalo with Charles Bronson, he plays Whistling Jack Killian, Killeen. And the thing about this one is, like, um, he Clint Walker plays an asshole. He plays like a, a a villain, and he runs around with these like little scumbags because he's so big. But the one is um, the guy that played Bernard Posner in Billy Jack, the rich kid that rapes Billy Jack's girlfriend. Um, but it with this one, I love that movie. I because I, you know I love Charles Bronson and you know he plays Wild Bill Hickok and everything. And they have the that big white buff keeps charging. And uh, but it was kind of hard, even like to watch when you're a kid, because I liked Clint Walker, and he always played the hero, and then he played a jerk in this, who's trying to start some shit with, uh, with uh, you know, uh, what's his face, Charles Bronson. Uh, let's see, since Centennial, that was uh, one of the first miniseries I remember, but I don't remember too much about him in that. Uh, let's see what else he was on. Love Boat. Gotta, gotta, gotta. <coughs> I want to see that for sure. Um, and like I said, you know, he, he, says he plays. He was the voice of Nick Nitro in Small Soldiers. But uh, after '98, he didn't seem like he did anything. You know, but he probably was living off the the money that he made uh, from the reruns of Cheyenne. I guess maybe. Um, but yeah, you know, like I said, I always like Clint Walker. You know, he's he just seemed like a really cool dude. You know, big soft spoken dude and everything. He could play a menacing, great big, you know, motherfucker. But he, you know, just uh, uh, when they made a movie, uh, you know, if you if you took like a, uh, you said you wanted to make a, you know, a, a movie star, a man's man movie star, good looks, you know, like from the fifties. Um, it, it was him. I mean, he was a handsome as fucking hell guy, big old, you know, studly uh, dude who looked like he could beat the shit out of you, but the women would be like, he'd probably have like two women hanging off of each leg with a big old dong. <laughs> but anyway, uh, like I said, I mean, he like he died. He was ninety years old, and um, and uh, you know, I'm sorry to see him go, but the last few times I saw him, he was you know looking pretty bad, and uh, there are some videos on um i think on youtube with some interviews he was on phil donahue one time they brought back these old western stars from the old tv shows uh on phil donahue and then i remember seeing a a video of him being interviewed uh i think for tv or maybe for you know a movie short or something uh where they were talking to him about like uh how he worked out and lifted weights and things like that. And he was showing, demonstrating, he had like a little home gym and, you know, how he worked out and everything, which it was all kind of cool. Like I said, he's pretty soft, uh, soft spoken guy. You could, you know, now I'll probably read that he was a fucking wife beater or something, but I always thought he was, seemed like a pretty nice guy. Um, let's get to some of the moves. The movies that uh, we watched. Huh? Yes. I checked out uh, Netflix original. Uh, from 2018 called uh, Anon. Uh, and this stars uh, Clive Owen. I pretty much will watch just about everything that Clive Owen is in because I just think he's a good actor. And I, you know, he's got that char- uh, certain charisma that appeals to me. Um, this wasn't bad. You know, like a lot of these uh, made for um, Netflix movies, I have yet to have one that just really blew me away. But they're not 
bad. I've seen, I, I'm trying to think, I don't know if I've seen any that were just like really horrible. Um, so far, the ones that I've watched have, I always say, you know, well, it was worth a watch. It wasn't that bad, you know, uh, but none of them have been great. This one was pretty good. It was kind of like a, um, it's a sci-fi movie, um, and humans have, like, um, I think are, like, implanted so that everything they see um, is recorded, uh, and they're being watched, of course. It's almost like a, a 1984 kind of a scenario. Uh, and the police, um, like Clive Owen's a cop, and if he's walking down the street, everybody he looks at, it does like a facial recognition thing. And you see what he's seeing. Like you'll see like his, his vision almost has like little... Uh, things that come up on the side that like a little square will go over the person's face and it'll say whether there's warrants out for him and he can see that through his vision and everything like his his vision is almost like a computer screen so it's pretty cool um you have a um a person um it's kind of like a murder mystery and you have someone who is um fucking with the system almost like a hacker uh, that um, because everybody, like say somebody gets murdered and the dead body's laying there or whatever, well, they can go in and look and see the last things that that person saw before they died. So, you know, it cut down on crime and everything. Uh, but when they go in, someone is hacking these people that are getting killed so they can't see who it is and so it was pretty good it's an interesting concept it's like i said it's not great but you know it wasn't bad i would recommend you give it a look if you have netflix you know you're paying for it anyway yo dig it uh let me see hang on one second i wanted to look at that because i didn't say i like to say the director was andrew uh nicole and it was written and directed by him and it also had uh, who else was in in this the the girl amanda seafried is in it uh of course i know who she is but she's not like one of the the main james tam uh afia bennett so i mean there's some people that i i've seen but i don't you know really off the top of my head if you read their name i don't know who the fuck they are <laughs> okay next thing i watched was on also on netflix called uh uh from 2017 kodachrome and that was directed by mark rasso and uh written by ag sulzberger and based on an article by him um, stars Ed Harris, Jason Sudeikis, and Elizabeth Olsen. Uh, be honest with you, this one was kind of a slog for me. Really sentimental, nothing, no surprises. It was just kind of like, uh, I was surprised that, that, uh, it was just kind of like cookie cutter to me and I really didn't uh, get into it. It was, I didn't even want to finish it to be honest with you. Cause I was just like, uh, this is just kind of like you know, gag me with a fucking spoon. Um, Sudeikis and his dad are um, estranged. Uh, Ed Harris plays his dad, and he is a photographer who, like, uh, is always, you know, out of the country when he was a little kid, um, going to these uh, war zones and stuff, and, and then he finds out that his dad is dying. And Elizabeth Olsen is... 
uh, Ed Harris's um, kind of, uh, I don't think it was like a hospice, but kind of like his nurse or whatever. And she comes and finds Sudeikis and says, your dad's dying and he can't stand him. He doesn't want anything to do with him. Uh, and that's a good concept. I, I, you know, it doesn't sound that bad, but it just kind of was just so cookie cutter by the book, pull on, tug on the heartstrings kind of a thing. I don't know. And I like Ed Harris, uh, uh, Elizabeth Olsen, you know, like I said, I don't want to get into her titties and stuff like that this week. Talked enough about it last couple times. Uh, but I, I um, now here's something here lately. I was hitting, like I said, for a long time, you guys know, because I talk about it. Uh, I started watching a lot of TV shows, and maybe I'll get back to some of those uh, that I watch, like Supergirl and, you know, things like that. Um, uh, Dark Matters and, and uh, Legion and things like that, but I just here recently have gotten out of watching all of them because I started watching movies again um, and some docu- you know, like documentaries. Now, some of the documentaries I've been watching have been like on Netflix that are that are like a series, you know, TV show about like um, Hitler's evil inner circle and that kind of shit. But uh, um, I've been kind of slacking off on my Legends of Tomorrow and uh, my DC. Uh, um, TV shows, um, uh, I but I did uh, watch the last couple episodes of Legion, uh, which is the Marvel. Giddy giddy goo goo goo. I believe it's on FX, um, and I love that show. This season has been kind of um, like some of the episodes haven't been haven't really made me go god damn because. A lot of it takes place in... It's just such a weird show. But then there have been a couple of episodes and a couple of things that have happened where I'm like, oh my god. There was one thing that happened in it where I it just like almost just kind of chilled me to the bone. And then they did have an episode here recently that I watched. I think it might have been episode six. And it really was... Um, kind of a groundbreaking episode, which is what somebody had said on... Uh, uh, GGMTV uh, group, which you ought to check out if you like watching shows and keeping up with them and talking about the shows you're watching. Um, that episode was just something really original. Uh, what they did, I'm not going to say any more about it. Uh, this the the whole show is really good. I like everybody. I like uh, Jemaine Clement, uh, Jean Smart. Um, let's see, Amber. Mid Thunder, she's pretty badass, you know. Um, let's see who else. Uh, Aubrey Plaza is really good in this, being you know, just fucked, so fucked up. Rachel Keller, uh, who plays Sid, is just unbelievably gorgeous, and she was also in. Uh, I'm trying to think what season of Fargo it was, but anyway. And Dan Stevens is awesome as David or Legion. So if you haven't checked that one out yet, start at the beginning. It's really like one of the most innovative shows on TV. I, I was just thinking as I was sitting in there a little while ago that I ought to watch the newest episode. Uh, but I decided to do this shite. <laughs> um, watch 2017 Sniper Ultimate Kill. Um, of course, I have watched all the Sniper movies ever since the original with Tom Berenger and Billy Zane. And like I have said before, uh, these are pretty much straight to DV- VHS, DVD, or now digital download. But I have yet to have one of them that wasn't, in my opinion, you know, good. 
uh, not great, not anything earth-shattering or, you know, mind-bending or, you know, super innovative. Uh, but I just like it. I like that, that um, how that, you know, how they handle the story and what it is and they don't try and make it any, you know, like something, you know, goddamn uh, Lawrence Olivier or whatever. But, but uh, of course, uh, and it, it's like one of those ones that you're almost... Um, um, going back, like Behringer and Zane's character, uh, you know the first one. I, I can't even tell you when the fucking date was on that. Uh, that was 1993, and for the most part, they have had Behringer or Billy Zane in these, and now it's you know 2000. This one was uh, 2017, so you're getting to see those characters. It's almost like revisiting. Um, the, these old friends almost uh now of course the this uh guy um where's he at here chad michael collins he plays Beringer's son and in the last few of them he's been like he's the main guy that does like the action he's a young guy and everything billy zane and Beringer are there more as kind of like advising him or helping him and everything this one was pretty good like i said i mean it's not anything you're gonna sit there and go oh my god but i'm glad i watched it i i enjoy this whole um this is what to me a uh the straight to dvd straight to well like i said 93 this started out on uh, i'm pretty sure my copy of sniper was vhs um it um this is what it should be uh, it's done well it is what it is and they have a formula that they follow i enjoyed it so that one i got on uh, itunes rented it uh, if you like those movies check it out like i said if you're not like a big fan or you haven't watched any of them you might not like them Next thing I watched, I got on iTunes also from 1943. Uh, it's called I Escaped from the Gestapo. I had never heard of this, and I was just flipping through looking for something to watch on there, and uh, like a classic or something. Uh, this was directed by Harold Harold Young, uh, written by uh, Henry, I almost said Henry, Henry Blankfort, and um, it stars Dean Jagger and uh, John Carradine. I know who he is. Um, <coughs> I had never heard of this, and of course, 1943 is actually, I mean, World War II is still going on uh, when they made this. Um, it's not a long movie. It's an hour and 15 minutes long. Uh, basically takes place in the U.S. Um, they have, um, the concept of it is this guy is a counterfeiter, and he's in prison and suddenly someone breaks him out of prison he doesn't know what the fuck's going on well he ends up you know he's thankful because he was in prison for say you know can't remember how long it was but say it's 20 years or 50 years or whatever and so he's like god damn you know this is awesome and they said well we got you know we broke you out for a reason we want you to help us what well, ends up they're goddamn fucking nazis living in the united states and they want him to help them um it's the you know like I said for a 1943 movie I I had a good time with it it's it's a I would say probably a low budget kind of a deal uh, like uh, you know an hour and fifteen minutes is not a long movie but it still they did a good job in building the story and everything for what they were doing and those Nazis are fuckheads man I hate them <laughs> I watched 2017's Killing Gunther uh, this was written and directed by Taryn uh, Killam. 
Um, kind of a mock documentary movie. Um, can't remember what that one was from a long time ago. Ser- was it Series 7 or something like that, where they had a game and uh, it was almost like a uh, reality show where you, they would tell you you had to go kill somebody. Uh, sort of got that, that feel out of it. Um, these people um, have decided they want to kill this famous hitman, Gunther. He's a uh, sort of a, throughout the whole movie, a nameless, faceless uh, guy who's the greatest assassin or hitman on the planet. And um, but you never see him there for the longest time. And most okay, I knew Bobby Moynihan. Uh, he is on Saturday Night Live. Um, but for the most part, everybody else in here, and that might be just my age showing. I didn't really recognize anybody else. Uh, Taron Killam, who wrote and directed it, is actually the pretty much the star of the movie. He has the most, you know. He's the guy that brought all of them together to kill Gunther. And if you have seen the movie poster or the trailer, you know who Gunther is. I'm not going to say here on the show. He was probably the best part of the movie. He doesn't actually... I mean, he's in it. The character is in it throughout the movie, but you don't see him. You know, they, you just catch a glimpse of him, and they, they don't see him. They don't know who he is or what he looks like or anything. And then when he shows up, you know, it's kind of cool. But... um this one still it just wasn't very good. Um, the I didn't think the comedy in it was that good. It, it just kind of missed. So Taron Killam, uh, I don't know. But anyway, I liked seeing the guy that played Gunther, and I liked um, uh, you know always seeing him kind of g- stepping outside his uh, his uh, I don't know if I'd say comfort zone, but doing like this is probably a pretty low budget movie, so. Uh, I guess it's worth checking out if you are a completionist of the actor that plays Gunther. <laughs> you can look that up yourself. I don't know. Like I said, it's on the box cover art, so I don't know why I'm being like a douche, but I think it's kind of more funny. If you, if you actually sat down and watched it and you didn't know who, who it was, it would the reveal would be pretty cool. Um, but I, of course, knew because I see the trailers and all that shit. I watched the first episode, which was pretty much like a full-length movie of the new series on Netflix, Lost in Space. I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. Uh, Very intense. Um, Lots of moments where you're just sitting there going, Jesus fucking Christ, you know. Um, The guy, I think, is it Toby Toby Stevens? Uh, He plays... The um, hang on a second here. I want to look something up. That was the theme to the professionals with Lee Marvin and Burt Lancaster, except they played on like maracas. Fucking moron. Uh, Guy Williams. Okay, Guy Williams is the dad on the old series Lost in Space. And, of course, he played Zorro. Was famous for Lost in Space and playing Zorro. Well, uh, Toby Stevens plays uh, the part of the dad. And he... I know him from... uh, He was the uh, main guy on the TV series Black Sails. uh, The pirate uh, captain. And also, he was a Bond villain... And I think it was uh that was 
Pierce Brosnan? Was it Die Another Day? Because I'm thinking it was the one with Madonna where they have the fencing and she, you know, has her shitty Madonna James Bond theme song, which, oh my God. Uh, but he's really good. I like the, you know, the whole family thing and everything. And like I said, I've only watched the first episode of this, but it kind of had me hooked, so I need to get in there and watch the rest of it. Of course, the creator of the original was Irwin Allen. Um, Molly Parker, Toby Stevens, Maxwell Jenkins. Uh, who else is in this? Nobody else that I really know. You got a big uh, fucking alien kind of robot-y thing, you know. You dig. So we'll see what happens. I'll, I'm going to maybe get back into that. I watched uh, Blade Runner 2049 again because I bought it. Uh, I liked it uh, in the theater enough. I wait, waited for the price to go down a little bit to buy it. Um, I like this movie. Um, kind of feel the exact same way about it that I did when I first saw it. Um, I really think, and this may be a controversial thing to say, but I really think that they could have made this movie and not had Harrison Ford and the whole thing that goes back to the first movie. Um, I don't mind it, but I kind of like the movie going through. And then when he gets to where he meets Harrison Ford, that part is just kind of like, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's not that I hated it. It just seemed like, okay, well, Harrison Ford's still alive and we got to do something. And, and I know what the story is and I know what they were doing, but I almost think that they could have say Harrison Ford would have said I'm not doing this movie or um, he had passed away or something like that They, I still think they could have made this movie and had the same theme with um, Joe, I call him Joe because he's like a real boy <laughs> um, and had him on this like quest um, but when they do do something like this it was almost like it reminded me of the second Planet of the Apes movie, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, where you um, became so connected to a character, which in that movie would be Taylor for, with Charlton Heston or uh, Deckard, um, Harrison Ford, that when you go through this whole story and then toward the end of the movie they bring them back. It is kind of cool. I like how they did that in both of those movies. But like I said, I think that they could have uh, could have just had it be about uh, Kay or Joe and love and joy and, and uh, have Dave Batiste in it more. I really liked him in this. You know, uh, he has just an awesome look. I did like that they brought back, you know, uh, you know, had Edward James Almos in this too. And uh, Sean Young, you know, kind uh, of how they did that deal. I hope I'm not spoiling anything. I think most of you have already seen probably this by now. Um, this one, for some reason, I'm turning into a big pussy in my old age. Um, it kind of hit me in the heart a little bit, you know, uh, um, with a lot of the emotional stuff with Kay and uh, the Harrison Ford connection and also with um, Joy. 
So anyway, and like I said, even even uh, the 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 first movie and this movie, where you know uh, Roy Batty was kind of a you know badass motherfucker. He was a combat you know replicant and everything. <coughs> but um, when you see someone like when he said, you know, the whole thing was he just wanted to live. You know, he wanted to live. He wanted to live longer. He didn't want to die, and that's what we all go through and everything. And uh, and uh, just some of the emotional stuff that Kay went through. I, you know, <laughs> but I did. I really liked it, and I like Ryan Gosling. I don't give a fuck what any of you motherfuckers say. Fuck you. No, I'm just kidding. But I, I do. I like Ryan Gosling. Uh, when people say, you know, he doesn't have any expression or he doesn't, you know, look at. Uh, Steve McQueen or Charles Bronson or somebody like that that you know or that ripped pages after page after page after page out of a script, um, you know, and uh, not saying anything and whatever. I just like the guy. I don't care. He'd be my best friend if we if we knew each other. I'm sure of it. <laughs> okay, I went back and watched another old movie that I got on iTunes um, from 1936. Uh, it's called Bullets or Ballots, and this. Um, was directed by William Neely and it stars Edward G. Robinson. See? Yeah, see? Edward G. Robinson. Yeah. It also has some other people in it too. Uh, Joan Blondell, Barton McLean. Who else is in this? Yeah, see? There's another guy in this named Humphrey Bogart. See? And Humphrey Bogart's got his name is Bugs in this. And Humphrey Bogart's kind of had some uh, bucky teeth. So, you know, that'd be not bad. Um, so I think he's more like a. Um, uh, Bugsy Siegel kind of a character. But the reason that I watched this was I was watching a documentary. Let me see where I can find that. Okay. Um, there is a pod, or uh, not a podcast. I guess it's kind of a, a video podcast on YouTube. Dig it. I had to burp. I'm sort of kind of trying to. <gasps> I had a tofu hot dog, which was tasty. Let me tell you something about these hot dogs, people. You know, like Oscar Mayer and stuff, where they put the chicken lips and the buttholes and everything else in there, uh, and they grind it up and put it into a little tube, and then you eat it. Um, those those tofu um, little wieners like that are just as fucking. I mean, they taste good. They taste just like a regular fucking hot dog to me, and they're healthier. Dig it. Uh, anyway, uh, there's a video, kind of like a short video podcast. Maybe they're like, uh, say, like 15 minutes long, 20 minutes long, or whatever, on YouTube called "I Found Out," and the guy covers just different subjects about different people, interesting people, interesting things, and uh, times and everything. And he was talking about this guy, uh, the One Man Riot Squad, Johnny Broderick who was a cop in New York uh, back in the day, probably back, like I said, you know, back in the, this movie was made in 36, and the guy was still alive because he wasn't really thrilled with Edward G. Robinson's portrayal. Uh, Johnny Broderick was this hard-boiled cop who took no shit. Uh, He would beat the fuck out of these goddamn, like, gangsters and stuff, throw them through windows, and then charge them for uh, destroying property, and... uh, He'd like just fucking punch these fuckers out like at the drop of a hat, and they got to know him. And, and like I said, they called it, he was known as the One Man Riot Squad. I'm thinking, I'm trying to think who the wrestler was. Oh, Dick the Bruiser. They called him the One One Man Riot Squad. Uh, it just took me a minute there. Had a brain fart. Um, but anyway, Edward G. Robinson plays uh, Johnny Broderick in this, but his name they changed it to Johnny Blake, and. Um, he is, you know, like I said, the same character. Edward G. Robinson's not a big guy. He's almost like a little terrier in this, you know, because he knocked the fuck out of these guys. And uh, to the point where when he sees these gangsters, 
uh, like especially like the lower level ones, uh, they are they are supposed to tip their hat to him. And if they don't, he knocks the shit out of them. So they, when they see him coming, they're like, oh, uh, uh, how you doing, uh, uh, Mr. Blake? You know, and they take their hat off and, and like deference to him or whatever. Uh, Humphrey Bogart um, is the kind of like the lieutenant to the main uh, mafia guy in this. And um, so it, it's a pretty good one. It's not a, it's not a super long movie or anything. I'm trying to think. Let me see what the running time. Maybe I spoke too soon when I said that. But I enjoyed it. Um, 82 minutes. Yeah, that's not too bad. Um, but anyway, like an, as far as an old cops and uh, gangster movie goes, it's pretty good. Like I said, 1936, you kind of... Um, um, I, don't, I don't think... I don't know if I want to say it's corny. I don't think it's corny. But, you know, it's from that time period. Uh, not as much a noir as just a kind of a hard-boiled, you know good guys versus bad guys kind of a thing, you know, uh, fighting with their fists and stuff. Uh, but I, I recommend that one. If you like old movies, like I said, hour and 22 minutes. I didn't see it. What the hell the hell did I miss that? Meh. Anyway, next thing I watched. Okay. Now we're going to get into, uh, I promised that I was going to, I posted a thing on gentleman's guide to midnight cinema, our brother and sister group, I guess. Um, um, that uh, was the genesis of Sylvan Gold. <laughs> um, but I posted, for some reason, I saw Ethan Hawke, I think, on uh, the Bill Maher show, Real Time with Bill Maher. And um, he was on there, and I thought, you know, I just posted a thing just to try and get some discussion going. Uh, you know, some Ethan Hawke's, your favorite Ethan Hawke performances. And some people recommended these um, uh, Richard Linklater uh, movies that I had heard of, but I just had never watched them. So I, I actually, to be honest with you, I didn't know that Linklater was the director of these. Uh, but I knew that there were three movies that um, were made uh, over a period of like each movie was made, you know, over like a period of 10 years or something like that. And I remembered hearing about that and what, you know, that it was kind of an interesting concept. Um, so anyway, I came through on my promise. And I watched all three of these movies. So let's start with um, 1995's Before Sunrise, again, written and directed by Richard Linklater. And uh, also uh, one of the writers uh, besides Linklater was Kim Krizan. And it stars Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy. Now, it says other people, but pretty much... I don't even know where the fuck those people came from because now I'm sitting here looking at a list. Okay, like Guy on Bridge. I remember the Palm Reader, uh, guitarist. But these are just, uh, you know, people that are just, they run into. But for the pretty much through the whole movie, it is Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy talking. Um, they, you know, most of you guys have probably already seen this because I'm late to the show on this one, but um, they are on a train in, in uh, I think, Paris, and, I don't know, it wasn't Paris, it was somewhere else, mother freaker, uh, Vienna. Okay, so they're on a train, and they end up, uh, just through circumstance, sitting beside each other, and they're a young, you know, young couple, or not a young couple, but, you know, two young people. Let me check something here. Uh, 
I want to see... I always have to do this. Okay, Ethan Hawke is not as old as me, but he's close. Because that's what I was going to say. Uh, you know, it seems like this was kind of back in the day when I was young. When I was 17, it was a very good year. <laughs> eh, whatever. Um, but it's one of those things that... <sighs> I was going to say, I think we've all went through this. I don't, I, I shouldn't speak for everybody because maybe we haven't. Um, I know I have where you just meet somebody and just, it just seems like things just click and you just kind of, oh my God, the headphones just went flying. <laughs> I hope this thing's recording. Jesus H. Christ. Yes, it is. Uh, so anyway, um, this is another one, uh, all three of these movies, especially this one, it really uh, took me down memory lane. And it, Now, when I said about Kodachrome and how um, just formulaic and overly sentimental and everything it was, this one really tugged at my heartstrings as far as, you know... Uh, just remembering the past remembering like somebody that uh you know where something like this sort of happened to me where i just met somebody and it was just like magic and you just had that chemistry and you're both so um inquisitive and just talking to each other finding out about each other asking each other questions and nothing is forced nothing is phony nothing is fake you're you're just two people two young people and it's you know it's just the most awesome thing ever uh <laughs> until you realize what life is all about anyway but um i really like this i enjoyed it i like the uh repartee uh, between uh Julie Delphi and Ethan Hawke, uh, and they did a great job. Uh, I thought that the um, the dialogue was excellent. Um, like uh, I've seen a few movies um, where it was basically just two people having a conversation, like My Dinner with Andre and things like that. And um, um, it has to be some very engaging and uh, uh, um, and. Interesting. I I'm trying. Uh, you can have a movie where it's two people having dialogue, or just a few people, and 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 they're just talking, uh, and it can be engaging because it is an interesting subject. But like with this, it's almost like you're there, and you're going through the flirtations and just the fun. Q and A that they're giving each other and everything, and but not only that, you're you are there and you are meeting these people, getting to know them, and the conversations aren't forced or stupid or contrived, uh, and you see the little games that are maybe being played, the little funny flirtations and everything, or you know, is somebody just being a player, or is are they, um, is it? Um, 
just somebody, you know, amusing themselves for amusement's sake or, you know, just little things, you know, the, somebody, whether they have their guard up or let their guard down or, you know, it, it's just awesome. I, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, and I, you know, I don't know if I should say, oh, I'm sorry I didn't see it. I just, for some reason, I just never, never got around to watching these. And I'm glad that Yun's guys gave me a recommend. So before sunrise, that was a hit for me. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Uh, and, and, and there have been times where, like I, I used to say a long time ago that I, I couldn't stand Ethan Hawke because, uh, and it was more like a personal thing because he was married to Uma Thurman. And it was one of those deals like with John Edwards or something where, um, Uma Thurman, I, I liked them as a couple and everything. And then, and she was pregnant and while she was pregnant he was cheating on her and she found out and they broke up and i thought what a swine you know it's like jesus christ what a jerk that's one like what how can it could be like one of the worst things that you could do uh especially to somebody that you love is you know they're, they're having they're carrying and having your baby you've built this life with them and you're built and you've created a life uh with them and you're out you know putting your pecker in a fucking uh, whatever i don't know what it was. I, I like to think it was like a uh 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 like a prostitute that looked like marvin Hagler, like hugh grant did when he was had like one of the most beautiful women in the world elizabeth hurley and he's going out and fucking Mar- uh, marvin Hagler in a wig anyway let's move on <laughs> okay next thing i watched was uh wait a minute is this the next thing I should say? Yeah, let's see. Okay, yeah, 2004, uh, Before Sunset. Again, this was written and directed by Richard Linklater, and Julie Delpy actually helped uh, with writing the screenplay with this. Uh, and, of course, it's Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy. Um, pretty much... Uh, th- now... I wonder, I'll tell you, I just came up, I just thought of this as I was getting ready to say it. Uh, I watched these, like I watched one one day, one the next day, one the next day. Um, I think I missed out on something by not having the experience of the natural uh, time uh, lapse um, of like 10 years or whatever in between each film. I mean, literally watching one, not watching the next one until it came out 10 years later. Um, of course, I wanted to see what happens with these people and, you know, uh, their lives and how they've evolved and how their relationship evolves and, you know, what, what happens. But the concept of making these. Uh, where you have the actual time span where the people actually get older and grow and while they're apart live another life and then they're put back together I think it would have been really cool and really awesome and added a lot more to the experience by experiencing it in that way whereas I'm watching kind of you know bap 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 you know one day, the next day, the next day. And, of course, yeah, the characters, the actors themselves actually have gotten older. <coughs> Jesus Christ, what the fuck? <coughs> okay, sorry about that tuberculosis, people. Um, 
but like I said, I, I, I wish I, uh, I would have maybe seen these in the theater uh, in the times that they were shot with the, the, the time in between. But, you know, I didn't. So anyway, I got back together with these two crazy kids. Uh, they're a little bit older now. Uh, work in the city, live together. Okay, enough Big Head Todd and the Monsters, which I was just listening to the other day. Bittersweet is like one of my favorite songs. Um, anyway, oh, it's a good song. Jesus Christ. And uh, the the guitar, it's awesome. I found, um, of course, on YouTube now, one of the greatest things is uh, you can find these concerts in HD. Uh, it's like uh, Big Head Todd and the Monsters at uh, Red Rock. I always want to say Red Rock West, uh, which maybe that's what it is, but I remember that movie with Nicolas Cage and uh, Dennis Hopper and that real skinny girl, skinny chick, not Laura, uh, uh, Laura Flynn Boyle. Maybe that is who it is. Or am I thinking about another one? Yeah, that was Red Rock West. <coughs> I'm getting it confused with the Dennis Hopper Jody Fox. Foster movie. I think that might have been called Hitman. Burp Hitman. Anyway, we get back to uh, Linklater and Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke. And um, in this one, of course, like I said, they're a little bit older. They have had their um, encounter. And that's another thing about the first one was that it was... If these two would have never seen each other, which there was a chance that that they wouldn't, had never seen each other, had never um, spoken, or didn't even know what happened to each other, this probably would have been in the back of their mind for the rest of their life as the most wonderful thing that ever happened to them possibly or whatever. And like I said, I've had kind of this situation myself where, you know, I look back fondly on this experience with this person, uh, that it was a short experience, you know, uh, relatively short and we went our separate ways and the person has moved away and lives in another part of the country. And, you know, um, haven't spoken to him in forever and it's one of those things where I personally just look at it back on it really fondly and everything. Uh, and it's almost like in some ways, as time passes, uh, well, first of all, when you're really young like that, uh, everything is just new and, um, and wonderful, especially when things are clicking and you really like each other and everything. Um, and then, of course, it's whether even like a movie that you see, you might see a movie like I said, okay, that Clint Walker movie with Alex Karras. You know, this is just a dumb comparison, but I look back on it fondly, even though it probably wasn't that good of a movie, because I did see it when I was a little kid, and it makes me nostalgic, and uh, it kind of again tugs at my heartstrings and makes me a little bit emotional because I remember who sort of maybe it maybe it's an idealized uh th- uh, uh, uh feeling or uh memory of what life was like back then but you remember you know that time and you can remember it almost vividly and i'm sure these two were going through that because they had their one uh time together which was a sh- it was a short 
time that they spent together, but it was uh, just dense as far as quality. Um, and then they go their separate ways, and they're on different in different parts of the world. Don't know each other's phone number. Don't know how to contact each other or anything like that. So then life, of course, goes on. And so it's cool when they do um, sort of by happenstance, but, you know, kind of, kind of not. And they get back together. Or, I mean, not get back together, but, I mean, they meet again, which was awesome. And like I said, when I was talking about the, again, uh, kind of a, maybe a goofy comparison, but the movie Sniper, or or, um, when I was talking about the Charlton Heston character of Taylor in the first Planet of the Apes, and then, you know, uh, you you just have this fondness and memory of this person, and then they do bring him back in a, in a, not a huge way, but a smaller, a smaller way, and you're like, you know, or the Harrison Ford character from Blade Runner. So these two, you've gotten to know them, you know, uh, pretty, in a pretty uh, deep way uh, when uh, when they're kids, when they're really young and they're really, you know, they have their whole life ahead of them and um, they're they're just interested in everything and, you know, whether it's art, they have a, you know, like everybody else, but when you're young and, and you're discovering art and music and, and life and you're traveling around and everything's new, whereas when you start getting older, you kind of, I think you maybe you close up and get more you're more happy being comfortable than going out and experiencing new things and stuff like that so anyway they come back together and they have all this life that they have lived apart but they have that memory of what happened on that one super special occasion uh where they just clicked and they fell in love um and it's it's just awesome to you know to have that feeling to see that these two come back together and and uh and share with each other um what's been going on in their life but not only that but kind of dancing around um what has happened in the past because now they're a little bit older They've experienced all this other stuff. They have lives apart. Full, total lives. They may have never seen each other again. But so, you know, you don't want to, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. Oh, you know, I wish we, you know. So you have that little bit of, uh, you know, okay, well, I'm with somebody else now, and you know, I am too. But there's still that, that thing there. And do you want to broach that subject do you want to open that gate and do you want to you know do all you know let let things fly or is this just something like too old and and it could be that way it does i mean even if the 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 way this movie would have been or how it is in real life if two people have that one special time together and then when they meet up again say they meet up and they're fucking 70 years old or something like that they it could just be a special friendship you know where it doesn't have to be let's get together and fuck you know uh but 
we shared this thing and we have this memory almost like a i had this with a with another person where um i hadn't seen them in my god you know 20 fucking years and then saw them at a funeral and um it's so amazing because i didn't think that i would even have this i was a little bit um I don't know. I, I, sh- I wouldn't say scared, but I just didn't know, you know, it's kind of going to be like, okay, is this going to be uncomfortable? Blah, 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 blah. But I didn't expect anything because this person moved on, is married, has kids and everything. And, everything. and uh, Jesus Christ, you know, when I first, I mean, within two seconds, I just felt like my, you know, like my heart was going to fucking explode. And so then after the fact, you know, we, we kind of kept in contact a little bit as for online and stuff like that. And I even, you know, just confided in, in her and just said, uh, you know, I think I'm just going to kind of fade away because, you know, not just, I, I, I said, I'm just speaking for myself, but I think, you know, um, it's kind of like one of those things that was awesome to see you and everything. But, uh, in like a, at that time in my situation, I, I, I don't know if I wasn't seeing anybody or, or f- what was going on, but I was just kind of like, you know, it, it's tugging at my, at my heart and you're with somebody else now. And this is just, you know, it's just, it was almost just more like a chemical reaction, but, you know, because of those old feelings and stuff like that. So I, you know, just kind of like, I think it's better that I just kind of like, you know, fade away and maybe we'll see each other in another 30 years or whatever. But so anyway, this movie, again, you know, just me talking to, like, you know, about that s- stuff that I was just talking about, uh, shows you how th- these last, the this movie and the one before it, how it, they, it's done really well. Again, it's Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy just, talking uh, but done so well that it it uh, brings back a lot of memories in myself so you know being able to relate to to the characters and the situation and stuff like that so it's it, I, I i like this one too yeah <laughs> now the one thing about this one was i started thinking um especially when this one just started up because you know you know each time of course you know that they're going to somehow meet again or be together again or whatever after the first one now the first one was just them like i said throughout the whole thing spending this so many hour period together walking around talking and experiencing different things and stuff like that and i started thinking when i started watching this one before sunset from 2004 um okay is this going to start getting tedious? Just them talking. Uh, is it going to... For some reason, I... Uh, I I didn't... Maybe I did have like a twinge of this at first. But I, I was kind of thinking, okay, it's just going to be these two talking again. And I'm going to have to sit here and listen to them talk for another hour and a half again. And like I said, maybe it was because I did watch one just the night... Uh, before and then came back right back and watched this one. But once I got into it, there was none of that. I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. Okay. Then, <laughs> okay. Now we're, I guess we're going to take a break because I put this. I put this uh, 
this one in here next, but I'm just going to go with what I have on IMDb. And that's 2017's The Disaster Artist. Uh, and this was directed by James Franco, written by Scott Neustadter and Michael H. Weber. And um, let's see here. This is, of course, the story of uh, Tommy Wiseau and, uh, you know, him wanting to live. <laughs> I'm not going to. I I watched it last week, so I don't want to get into the whole Wizu, Wizo, Wizu uh, impersonation. Uh, <laughs> and of course, as soon as I say that, I'm going to say, you know, you, you know, Lisa, you're tearing, you're tearing me apart, Lisa. Um, and of course, when you're fucking watching this movie, or you're t- anytime you're talking about this movie, you have the you know, oh, hi doggy, you know, and all the goddamn lines over and over and over, which are still fucking hilarious, and you know, um, but I put off watching this. I almost went to see it in the theater, and for some reason, I don't know why, I just I just kind of put it off and put it off. Um, this stars uh, James Franco and his brother Dave Franco. You also have uh, that fat guy. Seth Rogen, uh, let's see who else. There's a bunch of people. Zac Efron's in it. Uh, people that probably don't need to be in it, because um, it's mostly you know uh, Tommy and uh, and uh, oh hi, uh, <laughs> oh, hi Mark. Uh, anyway, okay, I'm not going to do that. Um, I thought this was pretty fucking funny. Uh, when I first started watching it, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this or not because you know. Uh, is it just going to be uh, nothing but them doing um, an impersonation of Tommy Wiseau uh, throughout the whole thing? But I do like how they built a story around it. Um, now, the guy... Boy, wait a minute. Uh, shite. The... This was based on the book, I believe, isn't it? By, oh, okay, yeah, Greg uh, Sestero. Um, I think he wrote a book, or maybe he, I thought he wrote a book about, that he was the one that wrote the book. And they, and they made the movie about it or something. But um, anyway, who gives a shit? <laughs> Fuck this movie. No. Um, I thought James Franco was excellent. You know, of course, he he got the goddamn fucking shit down pretty, pretty, pretty good. Uh, But I like that they told, like, the actual story and that it wasn't just them uh, doing an impersonation, uh, making the movie and just making fun of it and everything. And, uh... um, the strange relationship between uh, Sestero and uh, Tommy Wiseau. Um, it is interesting. It did, you know, and I know there's been some things that have come out since uh, this movie came out about Wiseau and, you know, where he's actually from and how old he actually is and everything. Um, it's just... It, I don't know how to explain it. I was sitting there watching this, and I was fucking laughing at a lot of the shit 
and it wasn't just um uh, you know a oh, mark um and and that shit it but some of the stuff that you didn't see in the room uh or a lot of the stuff that that you didn't see in the room where it's just um Franco playing the role of Tommy Wiseau is fucking funny, uh, and I and for some reason when I when I started watching this I kind of thought you know okay he's just going to be doing shit from the movie and and uh, I don't know and and just them on the set and everything it wasn't as much like I said it wasn't as much that as it was just uh, what a what a kind of an interesting but strange character he is and how uh greg sestero um didn't like mock him or laugh behind laugh at him behind his back but he was his friend and he did i think he did like him and he kind of i think he kind of felt sorry for him and stuff like that uh and not in a bad way you know like a, like you would feel sorry for somebody who um is a as a nice guy with a good heart but they're sitting there bullshitting you not in a malicious way or to hurt you, but because of their, either their insecurity of who they are or where they're from and stuff like that. So I thought it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Dig. Okay. Well, wait a minute. Did I fucking not put the other link later fucking movie in there? Let me see. Let me look here. real quick. Okay. No, it's coming up. Uh, yeah. Okay. It's coming up after this. I watched uh, American assassin again. I'm gonna take a break here for a second. People. Excusez-moi. Okay, let's see. Are we rolling again? Sorry about that. Um, but watched American Assassin again from 2017. Um, it was, uh, I think it was on iTunes. They had like a 99-cent rental. And I have seen this before, but I thought, 99, hey, 99-cent? Why not give it a peek? Uh, this was uh, directed by Michael Kusta. Uh, uh, written by Stephen Schiff. That's the screenplay. Um, now, the one thing about this stars uh, Dylan O'Brien, Michael Keaton, and uh, what's his face? Who's that guy that uh, doesn't seem like he's that good, but they give him a big push? He played John Carter, Warlord of Mars, or just John Carter. He wasn't Warlord of Mars at that time, I don't think. But anyway, who gives a fuck? <laughs> Getting, getting, uh, getting uh, grouchy here for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, I did not know that this that these were a series of books. I didn't know anything about it. It's kind of like almost like a uh, Jack Ryan sort of a deal. Um, what's this say here? Crazy credits. The names of Dylan O'Brien and Michael Keaton appear in the diagonal billing method, which was first used by oh Steve McQueen and Paul Newman. And, Towering Inferno. <laughs> Taylor Kish is who I'm thinking of. Ah, dig it. Um, anyway, uh, I did not know that this was based on a series of books. I guess Dave Mack has read quite a few of these, and he says he likes them. They're pretty good. You know, kind of like those action movies, like a Tom or um, movies uh, books, like a Tom Clancy uh, kind of a deal. I thought this was pretty good. Like I said, I, it wasn't. Um, uh, I would like to see them continue on and make some other ones. Um, now this one was not the movie or was not the, uh, book that they were going to make the first movie off of. Uh, this one goes back to when Mitch Rapp was first, 
becoming who he is and why he is the way he is. I believe that there was uh, another book that they were going to go with, which was more um, him when he's older. Because I know they said that uh, one of the people that they were talking about playing uh, Mitch Rapp was Gerard Butler. And there were were several different people. But uh, so, like I said, I wouldn't mind seeing them continue on with this. I thought it was pretty good. It wasn't great. But as far as, uh, you know, just an action-fighting, badass, uh, you know, kind of uh, anti-terrorism kind of thing, Michael Keaton was really good, and he was probably one of the best parts. Um, so anyway, you know, like I said, if you like if you like that kind of actiony, uh, you know, badass assassin killing, uh, <laughs> that's my machine gun sound. Uh, you can't you could do worse. Uh, let's see. Okay, now we get to before midnight, and this is uh, 2013. Richard Linklater, uh, written and directed, and of course Julie Delpy. She was also uh, a, a writer on this this one too with Ethan Hawke. Now this one does have some more people in it uh, than the other ones. Uh, who, like I said, most of the people in the other ones are just people like maybe they meet on the street, uh, like a the palm reader or a musician that's playing a you know, guitar or something like this. Uh, this is our two characters. Um, again, let's see. It was the other one was, uh, it was what, like 93 and then 2004. And this is 2013. Uh, they are on like, uh, I don't know if I would say vacation because uh, sort of vacation, but, um, Ethan Hawke's character is a famous writer and everything, and uh, he's uh, there in Europe and or in Greece, um, and their lives have continued on. But this time, if they have continued on, well, see, I'm assuming that you guys have seen this, but some of you may not have, so I don't want to say too much about what has gone on in their lives and everything but i will say again you have uh, you know just like the other ones they're they're older you know 10 years have passed by now again uh there there's a new dynamic to this movie uh than there was to the other two um and again like i said i don't want to assume that everybody's seen this so i'm not going to say what has happened or whatever but it's it, it this what has happened in the past, say, 10 years, is something that makes this one a, a, a fresh and different. That and the fact that the, compa- compared to this one is 2013, the first one was uh, like 93, both characters are, are much older, much wiser, uh, and have changed um, again. Uh, like everybody does, you know, you're not the same. You're you're older. You maybe say you're more cynical, or you're more full of shit. I don't know, you know. But again, I really like this one. Now, I don't know. I I haven't read anything about. Um, I assume that this was a trilogy, and then and now it's going to be done. But who knows? Maybe when uh, these two characters are, uh, you know in their 60s or something maybe they'll come back to it i don't know i don't know if they should or not it would be interesting just because of 
seeing the two characters as well as the two actors growing and and uh and getting older and stuff like that and how the relationship changes so i don't know if they would want to do that or not again uh that's just me thinking out loud if, if it would be kind of cool if they if you did go if, if you could bring them back uh say when they were in their retirement age or something but we'll see like i said uh, so i'm not going to go too much more because you know same thing you know like i said it's uh uh and more of going through the relationship thing and uh how your how you change as people how your relationship changes and all the bullshit that you go through and this one uh is a little bit tougher because of um how things happen and how things change and how you grow, whether it's in a good way, a bad way or whatever. But I enjoyed this one too. I enjoyed all three of them. I'm glad I finally got to see them. Like I said, my only regret is, is that I didn't see them as they came out the way that they were intended. Uh, moving right along because uh, we're not too long into this, but again, I have some, some more to cover here. And like I said, we spent some time on link later. I still did not like that uh, last one that he did. Uh, you know, I know a lot of you guys liked it, and I and I like Dazed and Confused, but I did not. Um, I didn't like that one. You know. Uh, let's see. Okay. Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Bob Ford, Robert Ford. I'm sorry, from 2007. I decided to watch this one again. Uh, I rented it on iTunes um, for some reason. I just started thinking about it, and I. Um, wanted to watch it again this is such a good movie all the way around from beginning to end there was only there was only one thing that kind of I don't know if I would say it bothered me Um, I thought Brad Pitt was excellent Um, I thought Sam Shepard was really good as Frank James but and I had actually heard other people say this but even the first time I watched this I thought that Sam Shepard was a little too old to play the part he's I th- I think he's an excellent actor excellent writer I'm sorry to see that you know when you know that he passed away here not that long ago um but I mean, there was like a 20-year difference between him and Pitt. And Pitt, I think, was like 40, like 40, and Sam Shepard was like 60, and Jesse James was supposed to be like early, you know, like mid-30s, and uh, Sam Shepard, Frank James was supposed to be not that much older than Jesse James. But now I did hear somebody say that, you know, Frank James... Uh, at this period in his life, say he was supposed to be, say Jesse James, I'm just going off the top of my head because I can't remember, say Jesse James was 33 or 34, and Frank James was four years older than him. So say he's 38. I did hear these some people say that Frank James looked a lot older, maybe from the life that he had led or whatever, uh, that he looked a lot older than his years uh, at, by the time that the events that took place in this movie had happened. But he's not in it that uh, uh, that much. I th- and like I said, I thought he did a good job as Frank James. I just thought the casting was just a little, you know, off. Um, 
Now, Casey Affleck was really good. And I'm not the world's biggest Casey Affleck fan, because uh, I think he, he kind of mumbles his stuff. But he got the um, the young kind of sycophant, uh, hanger-on, uh, hero-worshipping young guy uh, down perfect. Uh, just the, the And the kind of goofy, uh, bordering on kind of creepy kind of a thing down which was which was excellent i thought i i really liked brad pitt um because when you're talking about these people you know it gets romanticized it almost reminds me of the brady bunch episode where bobby brady read all these uh comic books and stuff like that or tv shows and old movies about jesse james and he was like he was his hero and then they go and actually meet uh this guy who was like a 90 year old man but his family had been murdered by jesse james when he was a little boy and uh they take bobby to meet this guy and i just remember the guy saying jesse james was a no good rotten killer you know he killed my family which burst bobby's bubble because bobby was just a little kid you know you don't understand well that was a really good poignant episode for you know kind of a fluff uh tv show even though it's you know it's a classic um but I liked how Brad Pitt played Jesse James uh, because he did have that charisma. You could see the charisma. Of course, Brad Pitt, you know, himself had that charisma, but also played it in a, a way that, you know, when you think about somebody, say you take a person in this day and age and you put him in modern times and he is somebody who has killed in uh committing several you know lots of different like robberies and brutal violence and stuff like that plus he's kind of a, a you know a redneck and kind of a uh a, a uh a cross between a snake a snake oil salesman a uh, an actual snake uh uh somebody who's just full of fucking charisma that you're like man that guy's fucking cool but he is like a a, I don't know if I would say a psychopath or a sociopath maybe a little bit of both because you know he freely and readily would kill somebody and plus then all the paranoia and shit um he has from looking over his shoulder about being hunted and stuff, but also um, how he manipulates people. And you see him with his kids and his family, but when you see him with these guys that are in this gang, um, he can turn on the charm and get him to do whatever he wants and they like him and everything. But then a lot of them that have been with him They'll say, you know, they'll tell this kid, this Bob Ford, that's uh, Casey Affleck, you know, you don't know Jesse, you know, he'd fucking slit your throat in a fucking heartbeat. And uh, they go along with him and they ride with him and they admire him and stuff like that. And they look up to him. But they also know that it's almost like a, 
uh, say like Sons of Anarchy or something like that, where it's like a motorcycle gang. But uh, these guys are criminals and they are scumbags. And you can say, well, it was the Civil War and they were, you know, still fighting the Civil War and robbing banks and blah, 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 blah. But they were fucking, you know, uh, if you just put them in modern day, they're just scumbag guys that, you know, didn't want to fucking work and, you know, would rather. Uh, they go rob somebody, uh, like say one of the guys on the train, he's, he's, uh, you know, just wanting to do his job, which is he, you know, works for, uh, say the mail or something like that. And they break in there and they smash the guy over the head and, you know, fracture his skull and kill him, you know, uh, you know, they're, they're fucking scumbags and they, they show them in a, in a human way, which I like that. Uh, but also you see that nasty, dangerous side. And, and also I like that, um, that like the Jeremy Renner character, uh, Garrett Dillahunt, um, uh, Paul uh, Schneider, uh, and, um, those guys that are the, um, the kind of the hodgepodge gang that Jesse puts together in his, you know, final years. When you watch the long riders, you're seeing during their heyday, uh, and it, and it's uh, the uh, the James uh, Frank and Jesse James, the Youngers, uh, Jim Cole, and let's see, Jim Younger, Cole Younger, and I can't remember who the other one was. The the three younger brothers, Ed Miller, and these guys. Okay, um, so you're seeing them in the heyday. So you watch the Long Riders, and then you can turn around and then watch this movie next. This one, this movie, as far as filmmaking goes, is uh, by far superior. Um, but um, it would kind of give you the the timeline thing. This is toward the end of Jesse's life, uh, and he doesn't have the the guys that rode with him before before that were more. I th- I, I want to say more professional. Uh, they were guys that rode with him in the war, in the Civil War and stuff like that. They were like raiders. Hang on. Um, so a lot of them are either, you know, distant cousins or cousins and stuff like that, or guys that, you know, young guys that, that look up to him, and that's how he gets them and manipulates them. thought this was a really good movie. Uh, the music in it is excellent and then they do almost like a, a a lot of times they'll do that um i don't know if it's like a fisheye lens if that's what it is or if it's uh, there are times where they will show the screen and all around the edges is blurry um which almost kind of gives it a surreal feel but there are times on some of those things where it was, it always reminded me of like when you were watching an old, uh, silent film, uh, the way it was shot. And I know that they said that the director, this, uh, you know, Andrew, uh, uh, Dominique, um, that, um, one of the shots that he really liked, and I thought it was really impressive just watching it, even before I read that, uh, was when they are uh, going to rob this train at night, and you see, you know, it almost puts you right there. Say you're out in the fucking woods, um, in the middle, pitch dark in the middle of the night. Uh, say just from like an animal perspective, like a deer or something like that. Middle of the night, 
it's pitch dark you're out in the woods and then this hulk this giant hulk comes because a lot of these rail railroad lines would just go through the woods through the mountains and everything and in this um, complete silence all of a sudden there's this huge bright light coming and it just lights up the woods and the trees and everything and you see these guys stand there with these bags over their heads with the eyes cut out which made me think of uh, of um, Django the Quentin Tarantino movie where they just had the bread sacks and they would cut the fucking eyelets out and I'm like okay wait a minute how do these guys see because some of those eyelets were not done very well but anyway this is a big recommend assassination of Jesse James by the coward Bob Robert Ford I always want to say Bob but it's Robert Ford uh, watched Murder on the Orient Express again, 2017, uh, written and directed by, uh, well, directed by Kenneth Branagh, uh, of course, based on the Agatha Christie novel, and uh, the screenplay was by Michael Green. Uh, all-star cast, I, I like Johnny Depp in this a lot. Um, he kind of was like a throwback to an old gangster uh, movie character. Um, Daisy Ridley was really good in it. Uh, of course, Branagh as Hercule Poirot. Uh, Willem Dafoe, I love him. Um, I thought this was good. It wasn't great, but I thought it was good. And it, it still, it makes me, I want to go back and watch the original movie with Sean Connery and um, Albert Finney. I want to check that one out and do a, a comparison. But like I said, I just watched this one. I went to see this in the theater. I couldn't wait for it to come out. I thought it was I thought it was good. I like that. Uh, now it does say that um, uh, Death on the Nile, because um, they allude to it at the end of this movie, like you know, set it up that there could be a sequel. Um, now I don't know. Let me see how this did as far as box office. The budget was fifty-five million, and it grossed a uh, hundred and two. Uh, this is USA. It doubled almost. Uh, it almost doubled that as one hundred two, almost one hundred three million, and cumulative worldwide was three hundred and fifty-one million. So it was a success. So hopefully they will. You know, I I hope that they. I like Branow just about everything. He's like. Uh, Clive Owen, Willem Dafoe. I'm trying to think of some other people that you know that I will watch just about everything that they do. Uh, Daniel Day Lewis. Uh, let's go off of that. Uh, but I liked it. I enjoyed it. I watched a documentary called "The Battle of uh, the Chosen." C H O S I N. It was a documentary about the. Um, um, Korean War, this battle of the Chosen Reservoir. Now, if you have watched the um, movie... Fuck, I was even thinking about this before the goddamn show. And then I said, I'm going to bring this up, and now I... Uh, the Prophecy. Um, with uh, Christopher Walken. That's where I... Uh, honestly, maybe it's uh, I'm not getting uh, good education, but that's where I first heard about this big battle of the Korean War. They call the Korean War the Forgotten War, as far as Americans go. Um, and I remember in the prophecy, this little girl, the 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 uh, ghost or soul or spirit or whatever of this um, colonel, I think it was, 
that had uh, was like one of the greatest warriors, one of the greatest uh, military men uh, in U.S. Army history, as far as being like a the blood, like a bloody, uh, vicious fighter. Uh, in the, his spirit, in in inhabits this little girl. Okay, now this stars Elias Coteus, uh, Christopher Walken. Virginia Madsen, Eric Stoltz, and Viggo Mortensen, and Amanda Plummer. Now, I don't know why I'm, I didn't watch this, but I'm just saying, um, I just remember in this movie, the little girl, she was a little girl and she'd be talking, but all of a sudden, she would say something. The, the girl was, say, fucking five years old. And just all of a sudden, she would say something that a little five-year-old would know nothing about like she would she would say something about the chosen reservoir and how they had to stack up the the frozen bodies of the dead and use them as like you know sandbags to get behind to fight and it was so cold and how horrible it was well this documentary enough about the the prophecy now it makes me want to go watch that again um this documentary was about that actual battle and um had a lot of interviews with uh, people that fought in the in the battle that were there that experienced uh, that horrible climate or not horrible climate I mean I, I, horrible yeah it got down to like 30 or 50 below zero and shit like that and the guys fingers and, and feet were frozen and I mean and the Chinese uh, that's when MacArthur uh, North Korea invaded South Korea. MacArthur fucking comes. Uh, they they basically run the the U.S. Uh, military into the sea. MacArthur does the you know I shall return deal, and he fucking comes back and basically uh, almost annihilates the North Korean army. But he doesn't stop at the 38th parallel, pushing them out of South Korea. He keeps rolling. He says, "Let's fucking deal with these motherfuckers," and so we don't have to deal with them again. And uh, he was going to drive them all the way to the Yalu River, which is on the border of North Korea and China. Well, then the Chinese, Mao says, you know, wait a minute, this is fucking bullshit. And so he starts sending, like, just hordes of Chinese soldiers across the border. And if you've ever watched MASH, the movie, or MASH, the TV show, uh, you'll get, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, kind of a feel for a lot of this. Uh, the Chinese just had sheer numbers, just, you know. And the one guy said, you know, uh, the first wave that would come, they'd start blowing these bugles and banging these pans and stuff together. And it'd be, you know, and you'd hear that, and you'd like, oh, God damn, here they fucking come. And they would just, like a swarm, just come at you. And he said, the first wave, they all had weapons. The second wave, some of them had weapons, but a lot of them didn't, but they would pick up the weapons of the dead. The third wave were the commissars with burp guns behind them so that if anybody tried to retreat they would shoot them so it was just like they were coming forward no matter what and the like the you know guys would say you could just shoot in any direction uh to the point that their barrels of their guns were like so hot and melting and everything uh then fighting hand to hand using your gun as a as a club or you know having to fight with your hands or with a knife or bayonet or whatever um, and it was just awful. I mean, the, a lot of these guys that were talking were, you know, say in their 70s, 80s and stuff like that and breaking down and literally crying. And this is something that happened like in the early 50s. 
And um, the thing that just hearing them talk about the weather conditions and how awful it was and you know they're starving they're running out of food they're running out of ammunition and how scared they were and like the one guy saying you know they say real men don't cry because it's fucking bullshit and um but also the compassion that they had uh not only for their fellow soldiers but also for the chinese soldiers that they ended up that either surrendered or that they captured or uh, one thing that struck me was you know the guy said you know at night when they were coming he goes we thought like oh my god they're like Superman it would almost be like the Walking Dead or World War Z or something where it's just like a swarm and they're just coming and you're just fighting for your life but he said then when I would see these guys after they had surrendered or after we had captured them and they're sitting there he said they didn't even have like snow boots or any kind of boots like that they had like it would be the equivalent of like Chuck Taylor canvas sneakers, you know, that a lot of people wear today, you know, um, like those real retro kind of style uh, Converse sneakers. And it's 30, 40 below and it's ice and, and uh, snow. And they showed footage of these poor Chinese soldiers sitting there. Some of them were barefoot their feet were frozen solid like a brick with ice on their feet and just fucking toes and fingers black they were giving these guys um, like hot tea or coffee or something to drink and they would have to hold the cups up to their mouth because their fingers were frozen solid stiff frozen like pops like fucking ice cubes Um, and a lot of those people had to lose their legs their arms their legs their feet their fingers and everything from frostbite uh, one thing about the cold was that they said that uh, a lot of the horrible uh, wounds to the abdomen uh, that would normally you die, they people didn't die because the the blood would just freeze. Or if you got your arm or leg blown off, you know usually you would die from shock or from whatever, and you know loss of blood, but they wouldn't die because it would just freeze up. Uh, it was really good, and it was just really sad. Uh, one thing that struck me was uh, uh, the one guy said, if I was to meet tomorrow one of those Chinese soldiers that we fought against at the Chosen Reservoir, he said I'd go up to him and I'd give him a big hug because he said that poor bastard was going through the same thing that we were, that I was going through. He, We share that in common. He is one of the only people that knows what it was like and what it was like to be there. And plus you look at it like that guy didn't want to be there any more than the U.S. soldier wanted to be there. They were just like, you know, pawns in this thing, you know, and and uh, like I said, the, the one dude, he said he, um, they had captured a Chinese soldier and he was wounded and he was dying. And of course he's talking to this soldier who in the documentary like I said was probably I don't know mid 70s maybe 80 years old and the guy's telling the story and he said this guy's talking to me he goes and I can't he goes I couldn't understand anything he was saying and you know I guess he was assuming he was saying you know he didn't want to die and he was talking about his family he said one of the greatest 
uh, regrets uh, was that he he wished he could have understood what the guy was saying and his commanding officer told him and I, I, it's almost like when people say enhanced interrogation instead of torture uh, when you use certain language to deal with having to do something um, he said his commanding officer told him you need to dispatch this guy you need to kill him uh, and the guy's laying right there he's looking him in the eye he's talking to him and uh, you know and that guy said he said um, shooting them from, shooting them from far away was nothing he said having to kill somebody while you're sitting there and they're helpless and looking you in the eye he said that's a totally different thing and he said I still dream about that right now I mean like even to that day so it was just really emotional and it was a, it's a really good documentary that one's on Netflix instant and I recommend it cuz uh like I said there there you had a couple of movies you had um the steel helmet and uh uh, men, men in war. Uh, Robert Ryan and Aldo Ray, and then um, uh, just you only had like a couple of movies that were done about the Korean War. Well, like I said, Mash, you know, but that was that did show the horror of war from the um, the doctors and nurses' standpoint, which you did have, uh, you know, I think a couple of doctors and stuff like that uh, that were at like a situation like that in this documentary. Uh, but it's it's an education and just that that whole uh, battle and that whole situation. It was just like, oh, I'm glad. I mean, knock wood. I'm glad I never had to live through that or anything like that. And I hope that nobody. I wish that nobody ever would again. But I'm sorry to say that I don't think that's going to happen. Watch 2017's Bullethead. Uh, that's the Netflix instant. Um, uh, written and directed by Paul Soleil, and it stars Adrian Brody. Antonio Banderas, John Malkovich, and what's this young guy's name? I have to find him here. Well, of course they don't have. I've seen him in something before, and I cannot. Blue Walker. Oh, Rory Culk. Rory Rory Culkin. It's Macaulay Culkin's brother. I knew I'd seen him in something before. Um, this is on Netflix Instant. It was not very good um i would say uh it could be a companion piece to uh how was it uh amon perez um the mo- the uh oh, where that movie was made the one about the dog fighting i'm just going off the top of my head in the pronunciation i, I cannot uh, was it li- lo- love is a bitch? Uh, is that amore amore Perez or something like? I can't remember, but you know what I'm talking about. You guys will know. Uh, anyway, that's a much better movie and everything. This one, um, I don't know why they call it Bullethead. I still don't understand that. Maybe I missed something. But you have Malkovich, Brody, and Antonio Banderas. You think this is going to be really good? It's not very good. Uh, has to do with. Uh, uh, some like three knuckleheads that are professional, kind of low budget professional thieves, and, um, and during a getaway they have like a wreck and they have to kind of hold up in this um, big warehouse, 
and there's some stuff going on in there that uh, they they kind of stumble across and um, it does have I didn't expect this I kind of expected like what I just told you but it does have something to do with uh, uh, dogs like fighting dogs and stuff like that but and, and the concept I thought it, it actually looking back after watching it and just thinking about the concept it could I think it could have been way better um, but and and it got toward the end it got a lot better but um, like I said I if you want to watch it, it there's worse things that you could watch but it's not very good I didn't think uh, watched Beyond Skyline from 2017 this was written and directed by Liam O'Donnell and uh, it stars Frank Grillo and that's one of the reasons I watched it uh, Bojana Nova, Novakovic uh, let's see oh Huggy Bear from Starsky and Hutch Antonio Fargas and it also stars the two guys from The Raid. Um, what the fuck are their names? I thought, let's see. Uh, Iko Iwias and um, who's the guy that played Mad Dog? You know, I'm just saying that. I don't even need to look it up because you guys will know who it is. Um, anyway, um, I, as I was watching this, I started thinking, I think I may, because of course it's called Beyond Skyline. And I thought, okay, this must, there must have been a skyline. Well, I actually had seen Skyline a long time ago. One of my friends rented it and we watched it. And I just didn't remember that much about it other than it had um, the dude from the um, um, remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What the, Eric Balfour. This is what I was telling one of my friends. I said, that motherfucker. Uh, he was one of those guys that they were really giving a push to for quite a while. He was in a lot of movies, and he's not bad, but he just was, like I said, they were really pushing him. He was getting a lot of work, but he was never in anything that was really that great. Uh, Brittany Daniels in that. She has a really nice body. <laughs> but anyway, I just didn't think that Skyline, number one, I didn't remember that much about it until I started watching this one. And then I was like, okay, yeah, I kind of remember the concept and what happened and what happened to Eric Balfour's character at the end of that one. And that movie was not very successful at all. I don't think, I think it got, uh, you know, panned on like rotten tomatoes, <laughs> rotten tomatoes. Skyline was not screened for critics prior to its release in the United States. Let's see what, uh, let's see what somebody says about it. It's a middling sci-fi entry. It's proof that a solid special effects alone cannot overcome a flat storyline. Uh, let's see. Somebody pulled a cinema score, gave the film an average grade of a D minus. Well, fuck you. No, I, I heard that, uh, like I said, I watched it. I don't. The fact that I don't remember that much about it says something about it. Um, but beyond Skyline, number one, I just wanted to watch it because Frank Grillo's in it, and he's kind of one of those straight-to-DVD guys. When I talk about some of the other actors that I'll watch everything that they're in uh, that are really good actors, well, Frank Grillo, uh, like uh, like the movie uh, series, the Sniper movie series, I'll watch just about all the 
straight to DVD or straight to digital download movies he's in because I like him. I like that. I like his him as an actor and his charisma and stuff. Um, think maybe he still should have played the Punisher. Uh, dee dee dee. Um, but beyond Skyline, um, I started watching it and I knew I, I was kind of like, okay, I know what this is and what it's going to be and everything. It's it's kind of like a, a kaiju movie because you have these aliens that come to Earth and they are in this big, huge, like kaiju uh, aliens, uh, which ends up being. The, the the giant uh, aliens are almost more like an alien Jaeger uh, because you think okay this is a big al- giant alien but it's actually that's like a almost like a ship or a um, uh, walker or something you know when they get on the ground uh, but then again the aliens kind of look like those things you know but they're actually just in there you know controlling the big walker things that are going around destroying everything. Uh, Grillo is good. I mean, he's a good action star, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, the two guys from The Raid. Um, now, the one that played Mad Dog, and I just don't want to screw up my IMDB or I'd go in. Okay, it's uh, uh, Yeyan Ruian. It's, it almost sounds like I'm being um, dismissive or that I don't care what their real names are, but, you know, Eco. Uyas and uh, uh, Yan Ruhian, who played Mad Dog in the raid, and then of course uh, Eco uh, was the main guy in the raid. Um, the you go through like the whole. This is like a big fucking movie, I guess, um, because you go through like half the fucking movie, and I didn't even know they were in it. And then, because it all takes place in the United States, and um, you know, with Grillo and um, and the people that he's with, but then you get halfway through this fucking movie, and it changes um, uh, locations. Like you're in like uh, Laos or Vietnam or somewhere, Thailand maybe, and all of a sudden these two guys show like, oh fuck, there's the guys from the raid, and and then it just goes into a totally different thing, and so which was kind of cool, you know. Uh, and, but like I said, it is what it is. If you, you know, you just want to have fun with it. It's not great. It's, it's better than Bullethead. But, uh, just those three actors alone make me, made me want to watch it. And I didn't take it very seriously at all. I mean, it's not funny or anything. I'm saying that when I watched this, I expected it to be what it was. So I didn't, I wasn't like, oh my God, this is the worst movie ever. I didn't expect it to be good. <laughs> It's on, uh, now where did I watch Skyline? It's on Netflix Instant, yeah. Uh, now last night I watched, uh, Nightmare City from 1980. And this is an Umberto Lenzi movie, uh, from 1980, written by Tony Corti or Antonio Cesar Corte. Uh, and Luis Maria Delgado or Jose Luis uh, Delgado uh, and it stars Hugo Stiglitz Laura Trotter uh, Maria Rosario Amagio it has some titty, nice titties in it I don't think any woman in this movie wears a bra uh, now I'm not a fan of this was kind of reminded me of the Gialli movies where 
one of the main reasons to show a woman's tits is to stab a knife through them or to cut them off. <laughs> and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Some of the special effects, like they, they were trying to make them as horrifying as possible so they would, a guy would rip a, a like a zombie-like guy would rip a nurse's shirt open so that he could stab her in the chest and then cut off one of her tits and like eat it. Uh, you know, just like stick a knife in some fucking woman's eye and she's screaming as he's like fucking gouging it around in there the fucking i, I want to say zombies um uh, it reminded me this is like a low super low budget um world war z uh the zombie like people or whatever they are that created them like uh they're just kind of super human but sort of zombie ish you have to shoot them in the head of course to kill them and everything they just look like they have poop smeared all over their face some of them worse than others. Some of them look like they just took a handful of shit, dog shit, and just rubbed it all over their face, and their face just looked dirty. But then some of them had the special effect, you know, the the really shitty uh, practical, uh, like uh, rubber prosthetic uh, faces. None of the none of the zombie faces looked good, or or um, um, you know, just didn't look good. <laughs> Now, you had some funny shit. Now, Mel Farrar is in this. He plays General Merchantson. He's a name that I actually know. Uh, like I said, a lot of the women are are very attractive and have, you know, nice uh, natural boobies. Um, the guys, Hugo Stiglitz, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not sure if I've seen him in anything. I remember, you know, of course... Uh, Tarantino used the name as the character in Inglorious Bastards, but um, I'm not sure if I've seen him in a lot or not. But when I'm watching this, I'm wondering how the fuck did this motherfucker get to be even in these movies that aren't that are kind of shitty? Uh, because he's not good looking at all. He 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 kind of you know how John Holmes was kind of ugly and 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 uh, uh, you're like well you know of course John Holmes had a great big old fucking dick. But this guy is just not good looking, you know. I don't know. But now I did watch it with uh, it was dubbed in English, uh, and it was fun. It was entertaining. I will say this: it was there was some shit in this that fucking made me laugh. Uh, and uh, when I posted this on the Sylvan Gold group, so, some of the people obviously thought that the shit that made me laugh, uh, I didn't even say what it was, and they were bringing up stuff, and I was like, yep, that was it, <laughs> you know, the, it, it's, a, it's a fun watch, because it is bad, but in a good way, this is so bad that it's good, uh, Incubo, Sula Sita, Cantaminata, um, you have the really dumb fucking people in this that I mean they do shit that's just so fucking stupid it's like oh my god you know somebody calls you up and they're your 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 dad is a fucking general in the goddamn army and he calls you up and he says listen I can't tell you what's going on but goddamn go in the fucking house lock all the windows lock all the doors don't answer the door don't answer the fucking anything don't go outside don't even look outside and the girl's like oh dad you're just being stupid <laughs> jesus christ you're just oh you just you just you don't like the the thought of me dating or something like what the fuck you know um but it's funny and it's fun and it's awful uh like i said i think brad pitt watched this 
and said, you know, now I know, of course, I know World War Z was a book and everything, but it just reminded me of of a, uh, and of course it was made, you know, 1980, but it just reminded me of like World War Z, but really horrible and stupid. But in a, like I said, in a good way, that's one of those ones that I could watch and be like, you know, some of this shit that some people say, oh, it's so bad, it's good, and I watch it, and I'm like, oh, that was just bad. But this was entertaining. Um, that was it. Now, I'm going to, I just had to write down a few things um, the com- from the comic genre. I did uh, order the first um, um, compilation of the Alan, Alan Moore Swamp thing. I haven't uh, cracked it yet. I just got it, I think, yesterday. Um, uh, so I want to check that out because I know Loaf uh, and some other people really recommend it. Um, and like I said, I was never like a big DC fan. I have seen some. Uh, of course, I saw the Swamp Thing movie with uh, Adrian Barbeau, but also um, uh, I have seen that character in a few comics here when I have been reading... Uh, some uh, DC uh, newer DC comics now and I kind of like the character Uh, I I read uh, the first issue of World of Tanks Citadel okay now this is a comic based on the game World of Tanks and I guess there was a a series before this that uh, I don't know who did it but I or if it was even any good I was just on Dark Horse's uh, uh, the new stuff coming out on from Dark Horse on their digital. And so I got it uh, because uh, Garth Ennis is writing it. And I thought it was pretty good. You know, World War II uh, comic, but I, th- I thought it was pretty good. It was interesting. Uh, done well. Um, Doctor Strange, uh, the the ongoing Doctor Strange series is still really good, funny, uh, and um, um, quirky and kooky and has some funny shit in it. And I like it. It's one of my favorites going right now. Uh, let's see, what else do we have here? Oh, uh, Alistair and Adolf uh, was a graphic novel that I had just bought. I've been wanting to read it for quite a while, and I just decided to go ahead and get it. Uh, this was by Doug Rushkoff and Michael Avon Oming, I guess. Uh and this one is based on like true events uh deals with um the allies during world war ii uh the nazis were really into especially like Kimmler, and um i know rudolf hess was was into uh like astrology and the occult and himmler was into the occult i think too uh which was funny because then he would have them like round up all these occultists and stuff and uh but he was actually into that shit and so then general this has like uh, general Patton, uh ian fleming uh alistair crowley rudolf hess i think himmler it has the like real real life characters in it and um they the allies were saying okay the nazis put a lot of stock into this like um, a lot of this occult stuff and even though we might think it's bullshit uh we would like to um, kind of, it was almost like a propaganda war to either dispel or to say, okay, the Nazis think that they have all the magic and that's why they're going to win the war. So we're going to use our magic against them. Now they might not even have believed in this stuff, but they wanted to be able to say to people, yeah, we, we have this 
magic that we're using. So they go to you know the beast, Alistair Crowley. This is pretty good. I thought it was I thought it was pretty good uh, graphic novel. So if you if you get a chance, check it out. Uh, I thought it was pretty entertaining. Um, I got a, a new issue of Usagi Yohimbo. I haven't read it yet. That's another one that Dark Horse is putting out on a regular basis, and that, that's a character that's been around for a long, long time. Um, if you're not familiar with it, uh, it's a it's basically a samurai comic that is done really well and goes along with how like samurai tradition and stories, but the the kind of different thing about it is instead of it being like lone wolf and cub where you actually have samurais and shoguns and stuff like that you have those but like yusagi yohimbo is a fucking rabbit but he's a fucking samurai you know so it's just the way that the characters are drawn as either rabbits or uh turtles or bears or whatever i think they even did a crossover at one time with like the teenage mutant ninja turtles and yusagi yohimbo but like i said the um the the book is done very in a very serious the stories are very serious and they're done really well if you would just draw um if you would draw the story with human beings uh, actual samurai you know human beings and everything it would be you know just as awesome but like i said they they do it in a they just as a little you know, twist or whatever. The art is done with animals instead of with um, human beings. Um, Suicide Squad: Hell to Pay. Now they put out that um, animated feature, uh, Suicide Squad: Hell to Pay, which I thought was excellent. Uh, now this is an I think it's going to be an ongoing. Seems like it's an ongoing series, uh, like a second Suicide Squad book, and I really like it. Now you don't have. Uh, you have Amanda Waller and you have Harley Quinn and Captain Boomerang. But the rest of the team is different than, like, say, in the movie. Um, I'm trying to think. Like, Bane is on the team. And they've introduced, like, as they're going along on this these missions, or this, you know, the missions that they're going on, you are introduced to lots of uh, different... DC villains and heroes kind of get thrown into the mix. I really like it. I thought it was just going to be because on on uh, DC's digital comics, these are only like ninety nine cents a piece, but they're excellent. They're just as good as the ones that are fucking three dollars or something, you know. So I've uh, been I've been keeping up with that. Been keeping up with the regular Suicide Squad storyline, which is excellent. Uh, BPRD uh, Devil, you know, if you're a fan of the Hellboy movies. Uh, check this one out. Go back and read BPRD from the very beginning. Uh, you will not uh, be disappointed. Mike Mignola, uh, he's wrapping it up. I don't. Th- I think he's going to wrap up the whole shebang. But this is just so good. I I want to go back and just read all this stuff over again. It's so dense. Uh, there's even the characters like Lord Baltimore that was in a different book or the witch. Uh, uh, oh, is it Witch Hunter or The Witcher? Uh, and a lot of these books that they have out, uh, these kind of occult-like books that Dark Horse puts out, that you weren't didn't I didn't even know that they would ever be connected, 
But then, goddamn, I read some of this shit, like Lord Baltimore and stuff like this. Or just Baltimore, but he goes, it's Lord Baltimore's character, but the book's called Baltimore. Um, you find out that the shit that you read, goddamn, five years ago, they go back and reference it five, ten years later, and you're like, oh shit, this is connected. Now I want to go back and read it so I can, you know. Uh, I love this fucking shit. I mean, that Mike Mignola is awesome. Uh, like I said, uh, if you, I mean, can, if you can go back and find fucking BPRD, Plague of Frogs, and all that stuff from the very beginning, uh, do so and read it all the way through. And then, like, you have the Abe Sapien uh, um, solo comic, which if you watch uh, Shape of Water, I'm to me that's Abe Sapien. You know, it's fucking the the character. They don't call him that. Uh, because he didn't have a name at that time or whatever, but it's, you know, I, 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 cause they did say that, uh, Del Toro was going to do a Hellboy prequel, um, based on the Hellboy universe. And then they put that out and that looks like fucking Abe Sapien to me. And it's even played by the same guy that played Abe Sapien in the fucking Hellboy movies. Um, it's so good. Like I said, I cannot express to you all that you need to go back and read BPRD from the very beginning and then when you get to BPRD Hell on Earth this shit goes on for a long when they do a storyline it goes on for a long fucking time so it's not like Marvel where they do a summer crossover and then it's done like Hell on Earth seems like it went on for years and you don't it's not like oh this has been going on forever it's so good. I don't want it to quit. I don't want any of this to end. So, you know, like I said, and then there was a, a, that, a BPRD Devil You Know just came out with a new uh, issue, uh, which is after Hell on Earth. This is the aftermath. If you're if you're into Love H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, Cthulhu, and all that shit, uh, you'll like this. Um, and uh, they actually, they have another uh, comic that they put out called Harrow County. Uh, that's a, a really like an occult. Uh, um, I the the books that I like that Dark Horse puts out are all the ones that are based on like the occult uh, have like a Lovecraft kind of uh, feel. Um, um, like I said, the the um, they they almost have kind of like a Lovecraft slash kaiju thing going on, which you say that, but like Cthulhu and, and things like that, that's sort of you have those giant monsters anyway, you know, the Kraken and all that crap. I just was watching a clip from fucking uh, Clash of the Titans as I released the Kraken and all that, and we were talking about Cthulhu and wanting to get a big uh, st- uh, stone statue to put out in the yard and all this shit at work. I found a life-size statue of the Sasquatch on Amazon and I think it was like two thousand dollars or something like that. I was like, God damn I would love to fucking have that, you know? But I don't think it, it wasn't it wasn't stone. I think it was polyurethane or something like that. And I said, if you put that motherfucker out in the goddamn yard in your yard 
and it wasn't made of stone and didn't weigh like 600 pounds somebody would fucking steal it in two seconds if they could pick it up and walk away with it so anyway but anyway we were just fucking acting stupid and looking up stupid shit like lawn ornaments uh like satanic lawn ornaments and shit like that but so um like i said i just wanted to get on here and um and do an episode loaf and i we we just couldn't connect last week he was real busy and everything and um and i had a quite a bit of movies that i had watched especially the link later movies i had said about um a, t- a promise that you know i was going to watch those and talk about them um so i wanted to get those while they were fresh in my mind and like i said i was up anyway uh, and uh for a few hours before i try and go back to sleep so i wanted to get on here and just do a show you know to have something to do too. talk to my pals i was going to get on the uh email and look up some of rolf's questions and answer them and i swear to god that's why when i was opening the drawer on my um on my desk at the beginning of the show and making all that noise uh I had that fucking post-it here forever, and I know it's here somewhere because I wouldn't have thrown it away. I just can't fucking find it with our email and with um, the fucking password so I can go get in there and look at the questions, and I was going to go over those. But we're going on two hours now anyway, so I probably it's better that, that I did. But we'll get to those later, Rolf. And uh, also, um, we were going to have the judo chop... Um, contest where you send in um, a picture of yourself uh, uh, in some kind of karate pose doing a judo chop if you want to go as far as judo chopping like say a cantaloupe or watermelon or uh, judo chop like your cat Or or your uh, your fucking uh, vacuum cleaner or a book or anything um, uh, as be as creative as possible. It's it's a contest that that means nothing other than we th- I thought it would be funny. Uh, I did put it on um, silver and gold group, and it asked where it was going to be. So I put like something in Mongolia, but the place that I put was actually like an event center. And I thought, oh my God, what if some somehow this comes up and these people at this event center say, what the fuck is this? We're not having anything on this date. So I ended up taking it down. And, I, and uh, if anybody wants to do it, I think it would be fucking funny. I might actually do it myself either a picture or a, or a little short video clip of something of you judo chopping something. Some kind of judo chop. Judo chop. Like Sean Connery in... Like this James Bond, you know, chop, like the back of the neck. Chop. Okay, so that was just a thought. Anyway, um, want to kind of give a little shout out uh, to the uh, our brethren in the podcasts, uh, the See Here podcast, Paleo Cinema, and Martian Drive In podcast. Uh, Justin Oberholzer, the Cinemasochist at Suplex Multiplex. Uh, the Feminine Critique with Christine and uh, Emily over there. Uh, Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, Bling 
bring blinging class to trash since 1977 with Will, Sammy, and Todd. And uh, Talk Without Rhythm podcast with El Goro. And I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, but I just jotted those down as I was getting ready to do the show, which was about five seconds before I started doing the show. So if I left you out, uh, you know, sorry about that. Check out the different groups, um, uh, the comic book group. Uh, like to try and get some good discussions going on there. Anything that you're reading, you know, as far as comics and stuff like that, or characters that you liked when you were a little kid, or anything that you can remember, post some stuff there. Uh, Gentleman's Guide to, uh, like the GG, I'm sorry, GG uh, MTV, which is all your uh, television series that you're watching from past, present, uh, television stars and actors that you want to talk about. That's a good group. Um, we have the uh, wrestling and gold, uh, everything involved with wrestling, uh, old classic stuff, which I really am into, and uh, uh, Mike Ensley and uh, a lot of the guys on there. And then we, you know, a lot of the uh, guys that watch all the new stuff, uh, we cover it all from A to Z. Uh, and uh, also been posting a lot of, of different wrestling events that are going on all over the country that if you get a chance to go out, uh, like I said uh, in the last episode, my nephew and I went out and watched some local indie wrestling uh, a few weeks ago and just had a blast. I mean, the guys are trying, you know, some of it aren't very well built and they might not be, uh, you know, uh, the best wrestlers, but it's fun to go and just play along and, uh, you know, uh, uh, boo the villains and cheer the heroes and all that stuff. And we just had a good time and I plan on going to see some more of that. Um, I'm trying to think uh, uh, Feed My Ears group uh, all about music this week they're doing the uh, the it's 70s week so everybody's posting all their favorite songs and interesting stuff that they have found from the 1970s that's a really fun group the feedback group I love the feedback group uh, the one thing about the feedback group is um, and uh, uh, you know I've never said this straight out but we try and not talk about anything that has to do with politics or anything if you want to talk about that of course you know they have uh, uh, Mr. Chris has the uh, are you serious group but the feedback group uh, we like to keep it kind of lighthearted. talk about food talk about you know uh, stuff that you've bought, consumer stuff, like, you know, whether it's a car, whether you bought a, a new umbrella for your picnic table, or whether you like, you know, if you're gardening or you're planting any kind of flowers, uh, anything like, a, um, you know, I ran my sweeper the other day and this happened, or uh, um, just any uh, stuff like that, or even advice or things like that. I thought about maybe starting a, a, a group where, um, you know, people can ask questions and ask advice on different things, like as far as, you know, uh, life and love and friendship and happiness. And, you know, if you're sad and depressed, if you want to get on there and have somebody to talk to about different stuff like that. So that may be in the future. And like I said, you know, Dr. Zom, everybody, you know, I'm always crazy and acting stupid and stuff like that. But like I said, with like the feedback group and with that group that I was just talking about, um, we have, uh, you know, a couple of uh, some of the admins and stuff like that uh, have a little group uh, for uh, that we get on. And, and, and there's some personal stuff that's talked about on there. So I thought maybe uh, something like that, that uh, on a on a larger scale, it's the, for for well, you know, we're all friends and we're all, you know, talking. and, uh, you know, 
whether you live in Germany or you live in Italy or the United States or Canada or wherever you live, you know, uh, depending on your life experience and how old you are and stuff like that, you may have some stuff that you want to share that can, that might actually be able to help somebody out, or you might be going through some stuff, uh, as far as your job goes, or, uh, you know, whether you, you know, um, uh, relationships or hoping that you wanting to have a relationship and, or things like that. So, uh, like I said, I've been thinking about doing, starting that up and, 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 but also in that same instance, uh, not being so serious that you can't joke around and have a good time and stuff like that, but also not, you know, if somebody's on there, if somebody would happen to be on there and they're asking, you know, a serious question and they really want somebody to, you know, to bend their ear, you know, ear and talk to them and stuff like that, not, you know, uh, everybody getting on there trolling and stuff, which we don't usually have that much with our groups anyway. It seems like we, with all the groups that I've mentioned and everything, it seems like we pretty much control that and keep the trolls out and and uh we've weeded it i shouldn't say weeded it down because but uh i think everybody kind of gets everybody's sense of humor and what to expect and they're not caught off guard and uh if somebody gets out of line i know on gentleman's guide here in the past few months or something i know uh we had a situation where um one of the ladies in the group uh um had commented that um I don't know if it was just one person or if it was several people or whatever. Uh, you know, you get a. Uh, it's a lot of these. A lot of our groups are uh, male majority, and uh, you know, you get a cool girl on there, a woman, cool girl, chick, whatever. I'm, you know, just being stupid here, but, uh, and you know, immediately the guys are like, Oh my God, she's so cool. You know, and she likes what I like and everything and starts sending her fucking email saying, Hey, you know, uh, I like this too. You know, what, where do you live? What do you, and they're kind of like, Hey, you know, either I have a boyfriend or, uh, or I'm not interested. I'm not on here to meet somebody, you know, or I don't even fucking know you and you could be a psycho or whatever. Um, so, uh, we had a little thing about that and I think it got kind of pretty much, uh, straightened out. Um, hopefully and it wouldn't be anything and the only reason i mentioned is like i said i was talking about possibly starting up a uh another group where you know like i said people can get on there and 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 that's sort of kind of like i think the feedback group is sort of like that anyway where um people can get on there and say hey you know i'm thinking about changing jobs what do you think uh i'm kind of nervous i'm kind of scared about maybe I'm, I'm thinking about moving to a another state or uh you know my my uh girlfriend and i are having problems and blah 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 blah. so we have some of that anyway so maybe i should just leave it at that but um in that instance if that's what we end up doing and, and just you know keeping it with the feedback group a lot of you guys that if you haven't joined, um, I've tried to keep that group uh, kind of close-knit with just people that we know uh, or that we talk to on a regular basis. Because, uh, like, say Gentleman's Guide, I mean, if you got like 5,000 people that are members there, how many people are actually active? And how many uh, how many of those people that, that, you know, like, say, on Silver and Gold or, or uh, some of our other groups... Um, the people that we interact with every day, you know, you get to know them. And uh, even though we may never meet or some of them we may, but may not, uh, you get to know the people and, and become friendly and friends with them. Uh, so with that group, with the feedback group, 
Um, I just didn't want to open it up and make it public to where you have just people on there that we don't even know, that we never talk to, because then you have a tendency to have somebody on there that might be a creep or that might get on there and act inappropriately or troll or whatever. So uh, if you do want to join any of those groups, uh, feel free, uh, you know, send a friend request or, uh, you know, a request to join. And uh, if you know any cool people that you personally know that aren't dicks or that aren't going to get on there and, you know, like I said, be a troll or, or be a smart ass to the point where, you know, the, the it's, you know, <laughs> you have to lay the smack down on them, uh, feel free to uh, recommend the groups. I'd like to get some good conversations going on on there and, uh, and uh, you know, keep this whole big old thing moving. But anyway, this is Dr. Zom, and I'm going to get off here and uh, have some tea to drink and hopefully be going back to sleep here shortly so I do not have a hell night. And I uh, appreciate all the uh, support on the group and all the funniness and all the silliness and keep on watching those movies and definitely yeah keep on recommending because you guys have recommended some to me here recently and i've watched them and been very happy and a happy zom is uh, a happy world makes for a happier world this is dr zom we'll have loaf back soon so he can tell you all about the movies that he's been watching too and uh i will see you later gator Thank <laughs> you.